0: when you are born ready yeah well prove it by beginning
1: (laughs) (laughs) i was born approximately 15 seconds away from being ready okay ready ready cool Hello and welcome to episode three of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, film composer and the founder of shockstreethorror.com.
0: And I'm Andy Stewart. I'm a filmmaker and a journalist and a bunch of other rubbish in between.
1: So, if you spent any time with the episode on Monday, Minisode two, Minisode two, yes. Yep, yeah, you'll know that um, we are guestless this week. Uh,
0: yep, unforeseen circumstances, Mitch, have yeah. rendered us guestless and uh, well. will not alone but uh, certainly yeah
1: a man down um so you had what i'm sure at the time felt like a good idea (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, uh, yeah it certainly did i thought the way around that would be to revisit
0: episode one and how we decided on the film for episode one
1: so if yeah if you didn't hear episode (laughs) one you'll know that uh, we had a wee draw um in minister zero and andy brought a film to the table for a one-on-one discussion where you made what I believe to be like a fairly compelling case for the merits of Friday the Thirteenth Part Five. Mm-hmm. So um, Very highly, highly compelling. Absolutely. Well, I mean, yeah, like we, we came up unanimous at the end, so you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you generously suggested that we would kind of flip that and maybe I would bring one this time. Maybe the one that I had in mind had it been me that came out and draw the first time.
0: Yeah, I th- I feel I feel that the show must go on. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. I know we've said that in the Minnesota, uh, but I, I believe it. We have to keep putting these things. out. Out. absolutely um so yeah it seemed like it seemed like a good move at the time now yeah. i'm wishing we'd had a week off <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh yeah if you if you haven't been keeping up then uh, just to let you know the uh, the film that i went for was um like i said i believe it was a 2011 release yeah uh, stateside at least and uh it's joseph Kahn's detention yeah yeah the slasher monster movie ufo but it's none of those things. Detention. It's all of those things. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I don't particularly like this film. Yeah, no, I think you, you uh, said in the mini show that you yeah. were um, a little bit... You, It wasn't something that you would have, of your own volition, ever gone back to.
0: No, I was apprehensive, to say the least, mm-hmm. about coming into this, this recording. I had no particular desire to go back and watch the film. Okay. And if I can humanly avoid it for the rest of my fucking life, I will never watch this film again.
1: Okay. I might watch it when I get back tonight. So, I mean, I chose this. It was one of those ones that I kind of happened on a little bit after the fact. And it really worked for me from the off. And it's one that I've kind of, like, and I remember watching it the first time and thinking it was pretty good and kind of stumbling my way back to it over and over. And I've kind of developed this weird affection for it over the years. It certainly strikes me as weird. Uh, <laughs> but no, I, I very readily recommend this to people. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm quite a big fan of it. Although I would say that I haven't seen it in maybe, maybe a year or so, maybe a year or two. Right. Um, and I rewatched it, obviously, in advance of doing this. And there's a couple of things that I've spotted that I think have aged not so well. We can get to them. But overall, I think that I got like pretty much the same out of it on 6th or 7th Watch or whatever it is.
0: I just, I can't imagine you sitting down. I can't imagine you sitting in your room watching this with a big smile on your face. I just, I can't imagine you taking any enjoyment from it. It's, really? To me, this film is the cinematic equivalent of a headache. Okay. <laughs> it's so fucking obnoxious.
1: <laughs> like,
0: God. I'm irritated that I watched it again. I'm irritated now, looking at you smiling at me as yeah. a fan of it. <laughs> uh, uh, madness, and not in the good way. Madness, not not Buckaroo Banzai madness.
1: Well, we're gonna get to that as well. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, so I don't want to go. Um, I don't want to go quite as intensely scene by scene on this as we did with um, Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. But I think that um, we should talk a little bit about the pre no not not the pre-credits, but the opening scene. From the get go My teeth
0: were on edge At the me- mere mention Of the band Hoobastank I yeah. wanted to turn it off There and then Right okay Because it reminded me About Hoobastank And that annoyed me What So that head? was <laughs> Don't you dare Quote this film at me <laughs> Don't you sit there Oh in my, up, house. my friend Don't sit in my house Quoting this film to me <laughs> Who do you think you are
1: Coming, <laughs> to, coming to my home <laughs> Coming
0: to my home Making me watch this <laughs> sitting there l- so, enjoying it
1: yep. like, um, so uh, our- yeah
0: with the mention of Hoover Stank I was like "All oh, right, this is going off but if you recall in on episode one we did set down some ground rules and I yep. did persevere every minute I had to take a few breaks because yeah I was just like
1: yeah, just kind of just like a stewing ball of rage yeah
0: I felt impotent rage like, and I know I was kind of Facebook messaging you through it, but I just felt—I um, yeah, my, 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 felt angry, and there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't direct my anger anywhere.
1: <laughs> for, for as angry as you were getting, and for as verbose as you were being about uh, your anger, I think that my favourite message that you sent me while you were watching it was a simple, unpunctuated "I hate you." Uh, I think that, that. I didn't feel at that point you were worthy of punctuation. <laughs> 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 to be honest, right. Let's get into this. So, in the opening scene, we do encounter. Um, we have a short-lived encounter with uh, one Taylor Fisher. Yeah,
0: and I, I don't
1: like to use this word, but she is a cunt. Uh, yeah. Uh, off the bat, or uh, as because she likes Huberstank. Well, as she just. Dis- oh, you've gone for a, a. You've gone for a different. <laughs> uh, a different noun. Yeah, I, I, I think. A, uh, yeah. Uh, she goes for bitch, which stands for beauty, intelligence, talent, charisma, Huberstank. See, I mean that's annoying. See, I think that's funny, and I think, but but, okay. and this is, but this is where we're going with this as well, though. I think that, like, I understand. I think that I have a reasonable kind of background of your loathing for this now. Mm-hmm. I think, um, so I don't think that us coming out of this an hour later and you being like, "Oh, I love this now," is achievable. Well, who knows? Uh, I mean, like. <laughs> I do. <laughs> this could be an interest. This but, could be
0: a real, a real interest. That in you could make a, you could debate this as well as God. What's his name? God, the Canadian debater. Oh, my uh, favorite character. Yeah, you could debate it to his level and uh, turn me around completely.
1: Maybe, but I think that what what I would say is, I think that what I'm going to try and do is kind of make a case for the fact for why I think that this is an objectively good film and the things that I kind of admire about it. Right. Okay. That's fair. So I think that I think that I think that the film kind of does. Um, it sets out stuff from the off. I'm sure you'll agree with me, that I think that anything that you find off-putting about the opening five minutes of it... It doesn't
0: get in It's not going nothing, to get any easier. Nothing
1: in the intervening not, 85 is going to change your mind. Yeah. And And um, also, I think that if you get on board with it at that point, the chances are that you'll probably be into it for the rest of the film. I think that as an opening sequence, I would say it's a good mission statement as regards... Like letting, giving you the kind of tools you need to make the decision for whether or not this is something you're going to
0: be into. It's so bubblegum candy-flossy from the start yeah I mean like yeah. like
1: wor- like words on screen it's heavy on the referencing from a words bunch on of screen,
0: text on screen floating text flying around people's heads
1: I mean and- th- there's references to everything from Hoobastank to Facebook Kesha John Hughes all of this is kind of a fly night I think that like it's in, yeah. the, f- in the first five minutes yeah it's yeah. a bit of a grab bag <laughs> <laughs> at this point um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah she kind of started like so she's a high school age girl who storms around being a total arsehole to her entire family yeah. basically before and also talks briefly about the film within a film just uh, Cinder Hella which I'll be honest with you I would absolutely watch on
0: its own oh I would watch the Hella give
1: of it. me Cinder Hella beauty scream beauty, beauty scream yes? yes
0: I don't want the rest of the film I want more of that give me that you think that should be Joseph Kahn's next project
1: it's gonna be no, Did would you? you say- I was saying no. Would you? Would you like? That oh, dream? Jesus!
0: I thought uh, no. <laughs>
1: so um, yeah, so she's a pretty reprehensible character. Uh, breaks the third wall through the whole scene and yeah. cuts about, and um, and it's very. Uh, but like I say, I think it's a good microcosm of the whole film. It's winky. It's self-referential. Uh, gold trap on the soundtrack. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's right. That's you know, true. Yeah.
1: I think, like, yeah, I think it sets out up stuff pretty well. But um, uh, she is unceremoniously murdered almost immediately.
0: Yeah. By one thing
1: I do want to say though, it's
0: quite a well-made film oh, from I a think. technical perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's well shot. It's very well edited. Uh, I agree, um, and
1: I think that regardless of how you feel about the style, I think it commits to it.
0: Yeah, and and. Uh, Taylor's death is one such example of a well-made, a well-made scene. Yeah, uh, so she
1: gets yeah. when she gets her throat cut and kind of full view of the camera, and then thrown out the window, and yep. the camera kind of follows her down onto the roof of the Spoilers. car. Spoilers, the, for the opening five minutes, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I say, I think that I think it's 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 a kind of best foot forward thing for the film, but also I think that it's a good embodiment of all the things that you might find annoying about it as well. And then it cuts immediately to Riley. You're kind of, well, you're kind of female protagonist, I think. Yeah,
0: you kind know, of. Yeah, she's a kind of shared protagonist, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. With uh, Clapton. With
1: Clapton, yeah. Fucking um... <laughs> <Okay>, Clapton. <laughs> so yeah, so we get the the first meeting with uh, Riley. And uh, so she wakes up and you kind of get the impression that it's, it's deliberately supposed to be the antithesis of Taylor's like popular girl in course, um,
0: She's a kind of outcast, kind of misfit. She's very much a, a girl of a different time, uh, living in a, a time that doesn't suit her, really.
1: Yeah, or necessarily a time that possibly exists. True. But, um, but yeah, so we meet her and um, uh, you see the kind of the various problems that she has. And um, also the fact that above her bed, she has a picture of the only person in the history of Grizzly Lake High School who was thought to be a bigger loser than her? Is that the guy that, or the girl
0: that sucked off the bear? Yeah,
1: it's the kind of unidentified girl who flated the school mascot. That fucking bear, by the way. Yes, previously all we can get to that. Oh, God <laughs> Almighty! Um, a
0: lot to talk about in here, but every part of it just drives me that little bit more off of you as a person. Really, Is it as much as that. <laughs> I'm being harsh I was gonna course say, Mitch there's
1: nothing that could put me off of you oh you're too kind uh, but, um, so yeah so she she misses the bus walks walks to school gets mugged for her iPod by this kind of hipster. very smug hipster character who I'm assuming I'm assuming that you would find that exchange joyless and wholly unfunny <laughs> it's like you were in the room <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's a there's a certain kind of language to this film uh, that yeah. I think is extremely <sighs> divisive. Like when she's when when she, when she says to the guy, she's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, the majoring in Inuit literature and hip, hipster rock doesn't rep, rep, doesn't replenish your trust fund."
0: Do you know what? I <laughs> Right. So it's it's puerile, right? The film's puerile, but in the worst way. Okay. I feel like it reminds me of one of those. Really bad American Pie sequels, like Band Camp, or the, the Naked, Naked Mile, or whatever it is. yeah. It reminds me of that. American
1: yeah. Pie Band Camp, though.
0: I think that's got more to say.
1: <laughs> it feels extremely uncharitable to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so, uh, so Riley makes her way to school, and at this point, we get a kind of like a, what doubles up as kind of an opening credit sequence, and we get introduced to quite a lot of characters. The
0: opening credit sequence.
1: So, what was your take on this with all the uh, um, the names appearing on kind of Coke cans, I like it. boards, things like that? But
0: done far far better in Hard Ticket to Hawaii. If you've seen that, I have not. Uh, yeah, it's the, you should check it. Hard Ticket to Hawaii. Yeah, it's done far better in Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which is just like names stenciled on boxes in a warehouse.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Superb stuff. So um, <laughs> after after we meet a few like so, we, like I said, we get kind of like hurried, kind of very bleep, but, like cliff notesy. Um, introductions to a couple of characters, including uh, Clapton Davis, Josh Hutcherson's Clap- Clapton Davis. Clapton Davis, yeah. Um, yeah. We,
0: you hear more concept
1: than, than reality. reality. Oh, fuck. Was that the Was that the first point where you had to pause it and take a break? Uh,
0: I think the first time you meet Billy, just after the first encounter with Billy, I think was the first point. I was like,
1: right, that'll do for now. Need a breather. Uh, <laughs> and I think that was about ten minutes. The ten minute mark. Um, yeah. So, like I say, after this, after the sequence has happened, and um, you get into the actual conversations in the classroom. Sure. Uh, yes. This is something else that I think this, and this is a reason why I think that this film. Rewards repeated viewings. I'm sure you don't agree, but like, um, uh, twice as repeated, Mitch. Twice as repeated, yeah. But like, um, in in the opening scene, you get, and in fact, before Riley even gets to school, there's a reference to UFOs and a guy on the TV, yes, the exactly newsreader, mm-hmm. talking about um unidentified um uh, things in the sky, things like that. And you get to the um the classroom sequence where somebody talks about the uh the mascot bear's foot being full of uh, superconductive magnets. Thank you very much. Yeah, so. <laughs> What I like about this is that there's foreshadowing being dropped left, right and centre here. But on first viewing it just looks like nonsense because Mm -hmm. where it goes next because it doesn't seem on the surface like slasher villains, time travel, um, travel, time travelling bears even, aliens don't belong in the same film.
0: I wrote down slasher sci-fi body horror body swap time travel.
1: Yeah. yeah. And I think that like most of those things are alluded to in the first few minutes. And in a way that probably seems a little bit impen- impenetrable, but um I quite like the fact that it it's all kind of it all eventually kinda of comes good.
0: I don't know if it does because the elements are so like I don't know. I don't know. I
1: hate this film. I know you do. And then another style choice at this point where um uh, Clapton Davis, uh archetypal cool kid. But also kind of a bit of a man of the people. I liked his affinity for
0: Roadhouse.
1: I'll bet you did.
0: Yeah, I feel I feel that was a shared affinity that I shared with that I shared with Clapton was our love of Roadhouse. Okay. And her relative ambivalence to Stephen Seagal.
1: Okay. Well, Do you think that he was the character that you saw most of yourself in? I would
0: like to say yes, but I feel like I'm closer to Sander, which is troubling.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, we can get to that. Yeah. But um so uh, Clapton is called into the office of Principal Dane Cook. Dane Cook.
0: I feel like this film exists purely, so Dane Cook's still got something to do. The best film Dane Cook has ever done is Mister Brooks. He's great in Mister Brooks.
1: I think that uh, Dane Cook is great in this. Yeah. I think it's good. I think it's like I, th- I, th- I think. But that... he's
0: just doing Dane Cook. Yeah,
1: but it's good dialogue. It's well delivered. All of the things about his character that seem kind of strange are eventually explained. Um, it's
0: true, and it manages to wring a little bit of sympathy for him out of that, which, and pay off nicely for him, I suppose. Yeah. So, uh, Yeah. I mean, it all has a point. I think so
1: personally um yeah and like we, we can dig into the the various like kind of when all the kind of mad threads in this film start converging but rapid fire introduction after that to two very two of my favorite minor characters so you've got coach cooper coach cooper is amazing i'm stunned that um that that guy has not seen more work off the back of this
0: yeah i, I, I had a wee look on his imdb i mean he's done some stuff but I thought, I thought he was brilliant. I thought him, and I'm pretty sure the other guy you're going to talk about is Gord. Yeah, who's debating um, rightly about uh,
1: vegetarianism.
0: Yeah, I, without a doubt, the two best characters in the film. Yeah,
1: I would I would agree. And I would say that, like, I think the fact that you're introduced to both of them kind of in back almost back-to-back sequences mm-hmm. that are both very, very funny.
0: Yeah, Coach Cooper did, uh, did force a smile into my tired old cracked cheeks. Yeah, I see. And Gord, I was just blown away by his uh, uh, better wit <laughs> His, fucking hell certainly better with his ones than i've been really <laughs> uh, articulate ha yeah yes. there we go.
1: boom um no his uh, his debate his debating technique is pretty out there um it's what yeah it's one of my favorite moments in the film i think uh when he kind of hammers my, my favorite thing is vegetarians like this girl who's only wearing one shoe <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, uh no I'm, I, I'm a big fan of that but um so there's one thing, and we we'll get to, so after that, and after after the debate sequence, we get to something about it that I think might age slightly worse, mm-hmm. Um which is um. So remember in the first in the first introduction to Riley, she tries to kill herself, and she gets distracted by a song coming on the radio. Yes. And then shortly after that, she there's there's quite a lot of third wall, uh, fourth wall breaking. Very so much so. You get, like people break the third wall all the time. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, of, there's a lot of fourth wall breaking yep. um, going on in the film. And uh, she does it right before she tries to kill herself again. Uh, she tries to hang herself in the lobby. And I think like it kind of, uh, and it's the first time this has happened on a watch. But. It uh, kind of rankled with me a little bit, just exactly how flippant it is about the fact she's trying to kill herself all the time.
0: Yeah, that did. Um, I feel like, in, given kind of where we're at today, yeah, I think it that felt very.
1: I think it feels very much like of it, like of its time. I think that yeah. the uh, <laughs> people, people like people, are a lot smarter in the way they talk about those things. Yeah,
0: I feel. Yeah. Uh, look at us. This is a podcast where we talk about issues. Yeah, that's what we've become, Mitch. And for a film that quite happily prides itself on insensitivity, yeah, you're right. It rankles.
1: Yeah, and I think it's it's a probably about the only thing, it's probably about the only choice in there that doesn't sit right with me, on that <laughs> level. Well, um, well,
0: there's many choices that don't quite sit right with me.
1: Um, but and what is quite, um, what I would
0: say is possibly... Like, like, there there's a joke about Bronson Pinchot at one point, and I'm like, is anyone
1: going to know who Bronson
0: Pinchot is?
1: Oh yeah, that was a reach. Yeah, like that to the, the to
0: uniniti- uninitiated out there, Bronson Pinchot is Serge in the Beverly Hills Cop films.
1: I think that like I I quite enjoy how scattergun the film's references are there. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like I don't. Want and to... I guess
0: even that kind of relates back because Bronson Pinchot is very much of a time, and it kind of plays into the whole time travel aspect. And that was what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, yeah, but there must have been somebody better than Bronson Page, you know, to make a joke about. <laughs> <laughs> there, there simply had to be. Like, there
1: had to be. I think that the fact that there's such a prominent time travel element, I mean, I really enjoy it, and I quite, I quite like the fact that the references in the film genuinely span about 30 years. But I think that you're probably, yeah, you're probably uh, letting yourself off the hook a little bit with your reference being a little bit erratic. <laughs> um... Riley has a wee standoff with Cinder Heller there, who counterintuitively, or kind of in what seems like a bit of a waste of effort, she tries to um Cinder Heller tries to kill Riley during her suicide attempt. Which mm-hmm. feels a little bit of a wasted effort, really.
0: I would say so. I'd just stand back, cross my arms, lean on my axe. Yeah. Yeah, and just let it let it happen. But yeah, then uh and then But then uh, you miss the spectacle. Well this is it. I suppose yeah. if it's a spectacle that you crave, then yeah, by all means, kill her with an axe.
1: And yeah I think that's what we're going for there but she she gets herself free and escapes into what is the standoff between Billy and Clapton Outside the school so uh um, Billy the raging guy B- Billy furious Billy um the ex-girlfriend of uh, no, the ex-boyfriend should I say he's um, like Vic he's from, like Vic from Friday the 13th Vic from Friday the 13th yeah, he's like, he's an absolute ball of fury. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good comparator. Actually, I, I meant to compare Taylor Fisher to Violet. Actually, yeah, comparison. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah, so Billy, he is uh, the ex-boyfriend of um, Ione, who we get briefly introduced to uh, during the credit sequence, who's now dating Clapton. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so I think that this scene bears mentioning because I thought there was a couple of really funny references in here. Right. When there was the arguments going back and forth about fighting styles. Yeah. which just spoke about like Swayze, uh, Swayze, Seagal. Seagal. Mm-hmm. But also the... Um, we are talking about expendable characters and then it cut to a guy who was wearing a red shirt and his head was cut out of the shop. So it was just a red shirt. Explaining about how expendable characters die. Quite enjoyed that. Actually,
0: Billy, Billy is so raging the whole time. But it... it, it it kind of is explained away in a, in a part of the film that I think is actually one of the most effective parts in the film and certainly spoke to me more as a as a kind of body horror Cronenberg f-
1: fan. I don't think anyone sees this coming when it happens.
0: No, 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 no. But it is bewildering. But it does manage to wring out a little bit more sympathy for a character who, from the, the first time you see him, you're like, get this fucking asshole off my screen. Yeah, um, because like his
1: screen presence, I would say his screen presence is quite obnoxious to begin with. Oh, absolutely.
0: The next time you go to the dentist for an x-ray, it'll be a picture of your head flying off. Yeah. They're like, alright, chill the fuck out, man. <laughs> <No, no, no. laughs> and this is all because Clapton's dating Ione. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, man. That's his high school. What a it, loser. You know? What a fucking loser.
1: But, um, yeah, I think that it's uh, it's an interesting one in as much as he's extremely unsympathetic to begin with, and a little bit later on, it's explained that one of the causes for his rage is the fact that, or the consequences of the fact that he has flies' blood.
0: He has flies' blood, yeah, he touched a touched a meteor. That's right. Touched a yeah, meteor. Like Stephen King in Creepshow. Um, and rather than turning into a plant... He's now a fly, fly yeah. man. Yeah. Not in the Scottish way, you said the word fly man either. He is part fly. Yeah, no, genuinely. Yeah. <laughs> he he um, vomits acid like Seth Brundle mm-hmm. um, and dissolves stuff
1: all over the place and spines and wings.
0: Yeah, he's he's got a lot. He's more fly than Seth Brundle.
1: Yeah, and in um and in a kind of cutaway we get uh this uh the fact that it kinda of brought shame on his family.
0: Understandably. Um but his dad hides his affliction by encasing his hand in a television set.
1: Yes. What the fuck's that about? I don't know, but I think it's really funny. I think like for some reason mm. this really appeals to me. The fact that rather than give him kind of some sort of kind of industrial strength reinforced glove right. he just masks it by sticking it a TV Power set glove. to his hand. Yeah, exactly. Rather than that he just sticks T V set to his hand, for some reason that but, makes him up. Uh,
0: why didn't they just I would have preferred a, a more kind of cyber aspect where his arm becomes a telly
1: okay as opposed to just like sticking just a TV to his hand just putting
0: a into a TV and walking about with a TV on your what, you No, know what Ugh. <laughs> see this is the problem
1: this is the problem
0: this is the fucking problem with this Joseph Cairn's thrown
1: everything at this yeah, yeah and absolutely.
0: only a fraction of it sticks I think I think...
1: see I, I think that we've already spoken about the elements that I think end up serving a wider purpose in a lot of ways, the Billy flies, the Billy flies blood thing doesn't really. Yeah. But it's also an extremely satisfying story in and of itself. I think.
0: Yeah, I would have liked to, again to have seen a wee bit more of that. Yeah, I this... would have
1: liked some redemption for Billy. Yeah, because he is. I mean, like shortly after that, he's very, he's un- pretty unceremoniously. It
0: does wind up with a telly on his hand again.
1: During this, uh, yeah, yep, during the which, uh, uh, scuffle when he's murdered, which man. must
0: have been quite uh, galling for him, I can only imagine. Yeah, there's no, no way to go. There's <laughs> no way to go. <laughs> no, no, at all. It really is probably the the only scene in the film where I was like, yeah, I could get into this. Um, <laughs> aside from the brief glimpses of Cinderella.
1: Um, and I think that just around this time in the film, there's actually like, there's um, a standoff or a kind of hunt and chase sequence between Riley and Cinderella, mm-hmm. uh, which involves um, like a dog, a swing set, a swimming pool, yeah. jumping over the fence, that kind of thing. One of my, one of the sequences in the film I like the most.
0: Yeah, to me, it, it does similar things to like, uh, I guess, like the final girls or the babysitter did, where it kind of thumbs its nose at. Slasher films and uh, the ridiculousness of the slasher film. Yeah, uh, and I say that as a proudly card-carrying slasher film fan. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
1: I was just gonna say, I was like, how did how did that work for you as a as a, I mean, as a kind of nod to all those kind of things?
0: As a nod to those things, uh, I got what it was going for. Okay, I feel that like the other two films I just mentioned kind of do it in a better
1: way. I'm kind of eking some compliments out of you here. Uh, I don't there. like.
0: I mean, it's hard to it's hard to sit through a whole film and find no redeeming qualities because. There are things about it that are likeable. Um, I mean, like I say, it's pretty well shot, and it's brilliantly edited again, and and there are moments that work, but for me, those moments take up such a small portion of the runtime that uh, (laughs) uh, they're kind of overshadowed by the,
1: the rest of it. It's like the longest, most irritating music video ever made. Which I think, if you don't, if you're not gonna like the film, I think that stylistically that's not that surprising, given that his entire background or almost his entire yeah. background at that point was um, a music a music video director, which is still true.
0: Yeah, he did videos for like uh, he did videos for Rob Zombie. He did Say My Name" by Destiny's Child. He did a bunch for um of the rel- of the newer Taylor Swift ones. He did M- Muse videos. Oh really? Yeah, he did the video for Knights of Cydonia" by Muse. Ah, and crucially, he did the video for "Everybody" brackets. Backstreets Back by the Backstreet Boys. No way, that's a great I, video. I feel like he's called in quite a few favors as well in terms of the soundtrack because a lot of these bands pop up on the soundtrack.
1: Yeah, the licensing uh, yeah. for the music for this must have been what th- would have been through the roof. I think if you weren't yeah. in a position to do that. And one character we haven't hit on yet is uh, Sander. Kind of, it seems to be, like, Riley's kind of best friend.
0: I don't think they are friends. See, I, I, <laughs> I don't think I, I, they're friends at all. I, Riley's is a, a fucking creepy sex pest. Well, so Sander is... Oh, sorry, shit. Yeah, Sander, sorry, like, is a creepy fucking sex pest.
1: I completely agree. Like, I was thinking about this, and it was one of the things that kind of... Well, I was saying that there's certain elements of this don't quite sit right with me uh-huh. um, now, and that's one of them. Whereas, kind of, he comes across kind of from the off, is sort of reprehensible and a little bit predatorial. Yeah, and he's, what, 17, 18, supposed yeah. to be in this? But he should be fucking locked up. I know, it's, 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 it's he's good.
0: A, he's a danger to himself, and a danger to women, Yeah, and a danger to everyone, frankly, as the story will uh, transpire. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: but I think that um, it's an interesting thing, and I think we should probably just spoil this up immediately, uh-huh. about the fact that, obviously, the principal antagonist turns out to be Sander. Yes. And I think that that felt less surprising as a revolution because... I couldn't figure out if I was supposed to think that he was funny. Um, because it, cause I think that it would have been more surprising if his character had been more sympathetic or somebody that you were supposed to connect with a little more.
0: I thought he was just... From the minute he was on camera in that science class, I was just like, get this fucking guy out of here.
1: Yeah, get him out yeah. of here. Yeah. I
0: remember watching it the first time and thinking, I hope he dies. Not the actor. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not the actor. No, uh, he's, he's, certainly he's the, probably all right. Yeah, certainly the character. Uh, he, he's getting paid to do a job, but the character... I was like, get this fucking guy out of here.
1: Kill him first. Yeah, no, I, that, I think that's, that's... I'll kill him. That, that's fair. Because you know, because I would say that in a film, when I've already established that Coach Cooper and Gord are my two favourite characters. Yes, of course. Sam's so comfortably my least favourite. So just to skip ahead a little bit. So yeah, we have, we have a party where there's um, quite a lot of drinking goes on kind of things. And then uh, we lose Billy. Yeah,
0: there's a lot of vomit. Quite a lot of vomit, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of regurgitation, reverse peristalsis from the get-go of yeah. this film. There is multiple instances of people thrown up.
1: Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, we have a couple of... We have a wardrobe malfunction of Riley's, which is the consequence, by the way, of more sketchy behaviour uh, from Sander, Sander yeah. but yeah mm-hmm. but this is sexually
0: assaults her co- essentially at a party
1: yeah for all intents and purposes yeah and <laughs> see this is what I'm talking about lock him up lock him away oh I, I, I'm 100% <laughs> I'm, I'm 100% in favour of him a he's the uh, a kind, a
0: kind of wee creep that shoots a school up
1: wow wow put it out there well let's be fair considering he turned out to be the villain in a slasher film you're not a million miles off the mark there you go yeah, fair assessment. Thanks very much. But um so yeah, so we lose Billy at that point and um also, yeah, like I say, Riley effectively, yeah, like I say, is kind of harassed. Mm-hmm. And yes. uh, but this there's like partial nudity, it's caught in film. And uh in what is a hasty moment from Principal Dane Cook kind of assumes that somebody amongst the main group protagonists is mm-hmm. responsible for the murder, puts them in a breakfast club style all day detention.
0: Yeah. Now the film's called Detention. Yeah. There's no detention until the around about the fiftieth minute. There or about yeah. Cut to the chase. Get there quicker.
1: Oh, I disagree.
0: Um, I, Get there quicker. It, make the film 40 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> Keep the three scenes I like. <laughs> <laughs> Justify the name Detention.
1: Yeah. So, when they're in detention, mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, like, again, this kind of fairly rapid-fire exchange between all the characters, and I, I th- again, I think it's pretty funny, but mm. again, the kind of language of this suits me, and I'm getting the impression that it doesn't for you.
0: I'm not saying that, it, that it's the language. To me, it's the whole presentation. Hello? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> to me, yeah, it's the, it's the whole presentation of the thing don't have a problem particularly with the language except that to me it's just a bunch of people shouting suck my dick and eat my shit and smell my
1: farts like it's not like see i, that's I pretty I, much the whole script i it? think you're doing that a massive disservice there
0: there's a few lines which are quite clever and witty and they're delivered in that rapid fire way that no one actually in a way that no one actually speaks yeah but i mean if but i but, mean if you
1: make that your rule then you're immediately like ruling out pretty much anything that Aaron in or woody Allen's ever done I don't agree I don't agree Although in- I maybe Because were- there's, there's an Intellectual self-satisfaction I To all of to those I'd love
0: to see Aaron Sorkin Just write a script That was full of something my dick And eat my farts <laughs> jokes I'd love to hear um, His take on that Yeah <laughs> I don't know I don't have a problem With it. the language To me it's the whole package It's gimmicky And it's It's that it's Self-aware And meta To a point That I just wanted To strangle myself
1: Wow <laughs> Um, uh, right, so we're gonna have to watch ourselves here in terms of how we actually handle where the story goes from here, because this, this, I think, is where it goes banana. Yeah, it's, like if, I if, think if, it's it,
0: enough to say that it, it goes bananas. If, yeah,
1: I think it would threaten um, to lose people. If it you were stands, still a, it stands a good chance of still doing that. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, so uh, because at this point we have the time traveling bear element, which if yeah. you haven't seen the film, I know understands probably makes no sense, and it barely makes sense to people that have seen the film.
0: Yeah, it makes no sense
1: to me. So There's yeah. not room in that bear for three people. Do you not think so? No.
0: No, I do not.
1: Okay. I do not. It feels like a kind of uh that seems like a fairly glib gripe to have given the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was just one thing that struck me. I was like, <laughs> they can't get three people in that bear.
1: But um yeah, at this point, inexplicably in detention. Uh so you have this you have this montage where like basically they hop they happen on this guy in detention, Elliot Fink. Yes. Who has been there for Nineteen years? Uh yeah, nineteen years. So um you get a montage. Which, again, is just um, kind of very full of what would presumably be music. It would be fairly expensive to, to license. Yeah. You have a montage that includes... Um, uh, between between product placement and bands. Yeah, You Jesus. have, say, Pussycat Dolls, The Bravery, uh, 50 Cent, Hole, Backstreet Boys, uh, Jumpsuits, Von Dutch Caps. It's um, But basically, they're trying to do... Basically, effectively, a retrospective between, say, 1992 and now. Or, um, or then. Or then, I guess, yeah, <laughs> yeah 2011. Um, um, So, yeah, the explanation for Elliot Fink being in detention for that long is kind of introduced through the time travel yeah, uh, kind of strand in the film, which is introduced at this point, via... You a, sound
0: like you're losing your way with this. You're trying to with, explain it, and which, it's like you're like, and I think
1: which comes from this, this but happens... And it's introduced this. by a very abrupt cut to Planet Starclaw. <laughs> okay. Where a bear climbs aboard a spaceship. See... For reasons best known to himself, See, this is, I'm, this gonna is ask, it. I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna ask a question. Is the, is this the element of this that tested your patience the most?
0: I don't have a problem with films that with time travel in them,
1: but it was the kind of abrupt introduction of a time traveling bear who was also from another planet. The mm. thing that kind of. Do you feel like this was the straw that broke the camel's back, or was the camel infirm already at this point? My mother
0: takes great enjoyment in whenever there's. I'm a James. I like James Bond films, and my mum, my whole life, took great pleasure in watching James Bond films with me, and she fucking hates them. Okay, but she takes great pleasure in delivering the line that could never happen over and over, constantly throughout every James Bond film, and uh, I feel that part of that's ingrained on me now somehow because I was watching this and I was like, that could never happen. Time travel as a a thing on its own, I can get on board with. Bears. Bears exist. I've seen one. (laughs) (laughs) What's the other thing? Aliens. Who knows? Open to the idea. Yeah. I'm open to the idea, Mitch. Put those three things together and I'm like, right, you've gone too far. You have gone too far. You've taken this too far.
1: Much less the invention of a planet, Planet Starclaw, which is apparently um, populated entirely by regulation Earth bears.
0: I also don't have a problem with made-up planets.
1: Made up uh, planets are fine. I was
0: all for Planet 10 during the Buckaroo Banzai days.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's a montage. Yeah, I would, uh, I it's would say... It's a 90-minute montage. I would say I would accept that as a criticism. Mm.
0: Yeah. Uh, but it kind of hobbles along, and then it gets to this point, and I'm like, right, that's it. I've sat through so much nonsense in this film, and now I've got a time-traveling bear... Yep. ...and I'm done. Okay. Yeah, I can, I can, <laughs> I mean, I, I can understand that. I mean, like I I'd,
1: like, like, I'd, like say, I think that... Uh, I have a, I have an, I have a kind of uh, one of my stand, one of the things I like about this film mm-hmm. is that um, every strand in it, regardless of how nonsensically explained it is, yeah. it all eventually serves a purpose in terms of kind of uh, serving the narrative. It kind of feels like every. Does pos- it, like- did
0: the belly one go anywhere? No, that, it, but I did it's say it's that just earlier. A, but, but I think no, no, that no, I okay, think that's just
1: it. like that's just like a satisfying story in its own right. Right. Okay. But I think that for pretty much everything in it that needs explained, there is an explanation, and I think that the like any the, the criticisms aren't necessarily with the story, but much is just as disagreeing or not being particularly satisfied with how something's explained. But I quite like the fact that every like every plot point that needs an explanation is explained in the most ludicrous way possible.
0: That's a that's a good word. Yeah, it. ludicrous.
1: Um, um, but I think that yeah, it's a ludicrousness. Mm-hmm. That I was, that I think that you're kind of encouraged to get on board with, and I don't think it kids you on that it's anything other than that from the no, beginning. No, no, I mean, and I think I do think that you're right. You, you
0: either throw your hand in from the get go with this film and enjoy it, go for the ride, as it were. Um, but I think you will know very fucking early on if this is a film for you. Absolutely, like, yeah. like I say, after, you, yeah.
1: after, after after the Taylor Fisher sequence at yeah. the beginning, I think know you will know within yeah. within even within
0: seconds, you will know before Taylor dies. You will know f- pretty much from the minute she's introduced on the
1: screen. You are going to know whether or not you're going to like this film. Yeah, and I think that that is a good thing. I think it's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Um. There, I think that we're getting to, we get to a point at this point in the story, it gets extremely difficult to unpack it strand by strand. Um. Yeah. And I think that I think that at this point we're going to have to assume a little bit of knowledge. You okay? Because if because I've if, got no knowledge. Because if you no, but I mean, but you've seen it. Yes. You know, it's like you know how it unfolds, and I think that if we're going to try and pick apart every last machination of it, then I think that we could be here all night. But yeah, so like, um, I think that like, trying to unpack this, like I said, trying to unpack this uh, scene by scene at this point gets a little difficult. Yeah. Because at this it's... point, there's uh, there's like body swapping elements. You get the kind of Principal Dean Cook storyline where his kind of uh, surliness in the present day is explained through flashback form and his kind of unrequited yearning for Ioni's mother back in 1992 i kind of think so, um, and it all kind of, in my, my, I think it does all pull together in a way that is kind of convincing. Now
0: I will give you that it all does come together and it ties it up nicely, I suppose, in and in a kind of nice little bow at the end. I just didn't enjoy the journey.
1: Okay, uh, which I think, which I think is understandable, but um, but basically, so, yeah. So Sander is outed as being the killer, Cinderella, Cinderella, if you like, yeah. <laughs> um, and ultimately. We've got Riley and Clapton get together. And of course, predictably, it is revealed that both of our favourite characters, uh, Gord, is actually from a species of vegetable alien life form that first took the shape of a Canadian. Like and Troll? Is now, yeah, and is now... Yeah, yes! <laughs> he is like Troll too! Um, and then, yeah, has come to America to wreak vengeance uh, for all of the atrocities that they've committed against plants. Mm-hmm. Which again, I think which, is pretty fine. Which are myriad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They are over the years. Every harvest a massacre. Yep, yeah, uh, We should weep for the plants. Hopefully, absolutely. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like I say, I think that um. Try. The, I don't think. I don't think that the film stumbles over the finish line. But I think that if we were trying to talk uh, about every last element that gets us there. Oh yeah. I think that we'd be in for a little. We'd have a little bit of a fight in our hands. Um, but my, so I think that like the kind of the key points for the reasons why I think that this film is undeserving of the kind of bad rap that it gets.
0: Now I did a very little, I'll be honest, I kind of fleeting dip into what the kind of critical reception of this was. Now, was it pretty poor? I mean, it's, it's currently straddling a 5.8. Out of ten on IMDb, which isn't terrible. It's sitting on sub forty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Okay. Rotten
1: Tomatoes. That bastion of. But yeah, yeah, that's super convincing and always accurate <laughs> review aggregator. <laughs> um, but I think yeah, it, like, but I think that it it it's certainly divisive. I mean, yeah. you look no further than hmm. the opposite sides of this table. I would uh, love to watch my mother watch this.
0: Actually, she flip her fucking lid, man. <laughs> I I
1: am. I rewatched this while I was like uh, last weekend. I was at home. Mm-hmm. I was back, I was visiting my parents And um, I had it on And my dad came in uh, Right when it got to the um, The sequence where Gord was debating Right. And but I was massively amused by it Which I was really happy with I had a feeling it would be But I'm also equally happy that he didn't watch any of the rest of it
0: I remember Billy in the last episode said
1: something about uh, Is this what you're into now? Yeah exactly, oh I think God. it would have been that
0: I mean, is it, is it supposed to be cool? I mean, is this, is this what people
1: like? See, like, I think that the, <sighs> there's, a, there's definitely a question of who the audience... Like, actually, there's a question of who this is for, uh-huh. which I think is a question that you posed to Billy about Buckaroo Banzai. Uh-huh. And I would answer in the exact same way, which, if you asked him that when you said, who is this for, he said me. Well... And I kind of feel like that about it. But I think that the things that I like about it, I think that it's full of ideas. of whi- Bags of, w- of ideas. Of which I think that none are underdeveloped. I think that every strand, every strand that is introduced, is pulled through to completion. You think this film is just so? Yeah, I think, but, okay. I, but, I, but I think that I, I don't I don't think it ever introduces something that it doesn't at least try to explain. And maybe they don't all serve the wider nar- narrative, but the ones that don't work on their own, which is one point I would make. I would say, like I say, I also quite like the fact that I think that it uses its own weirdness as a form of narrative cleverness. Because when you watch it the first time round, a lot of stuff in it sounds like nonsense. If you watch it again when you know where it goes. You realise that basically it's using the fact that this the combination of elements in it is so implausible, to foreshadow in a way that you won't notice. Which again, I think is kind of fairly not something I can think of other examples of like very readily. Um, and I think that also kind of like I can I can understand grievances. I know you don't have one with this, but I know that I can understand the problems people have with the kind of style of it and the feel of it. Yeah. But I think that the way that it's shot matches the way that. It's told and it matches the pacing because it's like fairly breathlessly paced. I think it's fair to say, um, but it's also like, and I and I would say that I'd be. But op- yeah, you
0: say that, but I felt it. Was, I felt it drag.
1: Really, I, <laughs> I think was like, ah. Ob- objectively, I think. Well, I say objectively. Obviously, it be subjectively, because it's my opinion. But like, um, I think that uh, when I watched it again, the only point where I felt like it threatens to sag is kind of the early stages of the detention sequence when you're first introduced to the time travelling bear element because I think that that's where it kind of it adds another layer of complexity slash ridiculousness but also right. you really have to fight with the sense that it makes to okay. the story I would say if there's a point where I think that it looks like it might stumble I think it's there right. and I think that if there's a point where on multiple watches or on this rewatch where like I say it had been a couple of years I've seen a lot more films in that time and it's like when I rewatched it back I think that um, that was the point where I was kind of like nah is this going to completely derail here? And I don't think it does. But I would say that that was the point of it where I felt like it threatened to lose me. I would admit that much. Um, But I think that, like I say, I think that the entire way it's put together and the way it's shot matches, because I don't think it's unfair to say, I I would, again, I would accept it as a criticism if you think that it's like a scatterbrained film. in that it introduces a lot of elements in a kind of very, like, in a seemingly random way. But I think that the way it's put together kind of...
0: To me, it's more a stylistic thing than feeling that the narrative doesn't work or the narrative doesn't go anywhere. For me, it's purely, I think, a stylistic
1: thing. As in, your problem lies with the style of it?
0: Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Predominantly, my problem lies in the style of it, my problem lies in the the dialogue
1: and the way the dialogue's delivered. Is it all just a little bit too... um, Is it kind of... Because I am quite happy to admit that this film is full of lines of dialogue that no high school-age person would ever realistically say. Yeah, I don't think that it necessarily it's feels not... ridiculous in universe, or like I think that everyone is a little bit too smart too much of the time. I just thought a lot of them were
0: absolute wankers. Oh, that's like, definitely. And, also I, and I was, I was just like, "Shut up!" When they were going on, a bit suck my dick, eat my farts. No, and I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that kind of humor. Are either of those two direct quotes?
1: They are from did, the I... script that
0: I'm currently working on. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, no, it, it's more. The whole, the whole aesthetic of it, it, I felt that it rubs me up the wrong way. Yeah, um, and I think it did from the first time I saw it, and like I, I did go into it with an open mind, and I thought, right, let's well, come sure. on, we've got, to go, I've got to go here. And like I say, there are things I took away from it, um, where I felt like, you know, it is well shot and it is well edited. The soundtrack's fucking brilliant. I've not stopped singing Mm-bop. All day. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really offensive pee noise, a really aggressive pee noise yeah. I made there. So I'm sorry Same. to the listeners for that. Um, and for
1: anyone listening in the headphones. Yeah, I'm sorry.
0: for anyone whose speakers have just broken. <laughs> um, I don't know. It just Maybe I'm just old. I
1: don't know. I'm mean, just
0: old. I'm, not sure
1: I'm old. <laughs>
0: you're not that old. This is the film that's made me accept <laughs> It's made me accept that I was too old for it the first time I saw it. And I'm certainly too old for it now.
1: I think that um, I think that there's something to be said for a film that makes you come to like hurtle to that kind of <laughs> crushing existential realization.
0: Today I wore a cardigan.
1: Oh, lovely! <laughs> so there you go. That wasn't that? that wasn't weather appropriate at all.
0: Gone was the hoodie. On went the
1: cardigan. <laughs> um, my concluding argument for why I think that this is objectively good uh-huh. is that I think that in a film that is teeming with characters. Yeah, and kind of strong personalities. There's very little waste in characters. Again, I think that like, virtually everyone that is introduced serves a wider purpose, and also in a lot of ways has a fairly, a decently compelling backstory of their own. You know, I mean, like okay. you mean, like I mean, on whether or not those backstories are ridiculous. Like I mean, like Gord could be a funny character that's thrown away one time, as it turns Look at the out. a
0: black girl kind of goth black girl oh uh yeah mimi yeah
1: yeah i was uh, that was the I, I don't know if maybe i missed something no no i agree i would say that's the only one i can think of because i cause... or the black
0: guy that then sings in the band did i miss something behind? him well
1: i mean i think that was just him overcoming his own um his uh, own shyness well, because well, you no, get... did, was there a
0: point i was watching this with my headphones on uh-huh. um so as not to annoy my wife because she would fucking hate this okay as well but I'm sure at one point the black they're in the corridor of the school and the black guy moves and there's a weird robotic noise.
1: Oh wow! I don't know. Is he some kind of android? That would explain certainly. It wouldn't like, surprise me. No, but um, uh, in the detention scene, he says, "I'm not like I'm not the killer. I'm just boring." Yeah. Because they kind of naturally suspect him because he's the quietest. He's a robot. Ash is a goddamn robot. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm sure there's like a mechanical. <laughs>
1: That's kind of intriguing. That's my bad robot. <laughs> uh. But no, I think that. Uh, so I, th- I think that going him going from that to his uh, the performance of Imbop that he does towards mm-hmm. the end. I think that his arc is him kind of uh, coming into his own, coming out of his shell, if you like. I think the only character in this that feels like isn't really there for anything is probably the Mimi character. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, I think that everyone seems to be kind of pulling towards a wider goal. And the traits of certain people that seem kind of ridiculous or weird, like you kind of have to wonder why Principal Dane Cook, Principal Verge, mm-hmm. is so jaded and so mad.
0: And I would stuff. have preferred if he was just called Principal Dane Cook. How good would it have been? Yeah. But, you know, like,
1: but, but again, that's explained eventually as well. Just call me, my character, what's his name? Verge? No. Just I'm I'm Dane Cook. Invisible Dinku. It's Dane like Dane it's like Charlie Sheen's character always being called Charlie and stuff. That happens a lot. But um, but no, uh, yeah, I think that like, that kind of thing. That's eventually. I feel that like that's easier explained away though. I feel like
0: uh, yeah, there's a whole... Otherwise, world. I feel like if you're not calling Charlie, Charlie, his mind is elsewhere. Like if you try to call him by a character name, he's just like. Aah! Fair. <laughs> it's fair. It's the only way to bring him back to Earth. Yeah, but do you know what I mean though?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that um, there's very little and I think that regardless of what you think of it or whether or not certain elements of it rub you the wrong way I think that there's nothing in there by accident yeah in summary I think that uh detention is uh, it burst best creativity it doesn't throw away any of its ideas it doesn't okay. it doesn't any it doesn't introduce a strand and abandon it i think that virtually everything in there is serving a wider purpose in one way or another and the only one that doesn't is the Billy Flyblood story, which um, I think we can agree is one of the films as a that highlight which... is actually yeah. a highlight. So, so, like you couldn't, like, so it's so mm. it's a it's throwaway in the sense that it doesn't serve the story, mm. but it's not throwaway in terms of how it serves the film.
0: Yeah, and I guess it's not throwaway in how it serves Billy to an extent because it does re- it, like I say, it does ring a little bit of sympathy for a character, and away, otherwise, otherwise it would unlike other characters, utter cock.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so and. Yeah, those basically are... That's the, Those are the bare bones of my argument. That's the takeaway from this part of the presentation. This is why I think The Detention, whether you like it or not, is objectively a good film.
0: Well, what I'm going to say is um, I've listened to you. Yeah. I've heard you. Mm-hmm. And I actually do feel you've made a pretty compelling argument for it.
1: I am not expecting to come away with a victory as such
0: here. No, and you would be right yeah. in that. But what I will say is that you've certainly made me look at it in a different light to the way I was maybe looking at it. I was maybe blinded by hate. Maybe. <laughs> and yeah, maybe there is more to it, but I think, all told, it does come down to a stylistic thing for me. Aesthetic difference, perhaps, between yeah. you and me. Uh, and yeah, just it just rubbed me up the wrong way from pretty much from frame one from where it go yeah Yeah. Um, this is this is going to go down now as one of those ones where we could not reach an accord
1: no but that's fine I think that I think that realistically I think that I would have been setting the bar too high I think that Mm -hmm. I like I well you certainly did pick it's it's certainly polarising yeah and I think that also I completely by accident picked something that I didn't realise that you already really didn't like yeah um so i had a fight in my hands on the office you know
0: when you when you told me uh or when you started dropping the hints on the when we were recording the episode it wasn't even i couldn't imagine someone liking it <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't. In my head, detention was never a film that would feature on this because couldn't I, I couldn't anyone imagine anyone having imagine the affection. someone having affection for it. Like, like I said to you, I can't imagine you sitting watching this with a wee smile on your face and, and like just sitting bathed by the glow of the telly watching this film. It just strikes me as completely bewildering, <laughs> and it still does now. It yeah, Still yeah, does yeah. now, and you've made a, although you've made a compelling case. I just uh, I've watched it twice, and I'll, I don't think yeah, that's I'll it. Watch it again,
1: yeah. yeah. Mm. That's reasonable. I, but I would say that I will settle for you coming away from it thinking that there's more to it than you did before. You bastard. I'll take that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> but uh, no, thanks a lot for joining us. And don't forget, of course, um, if you want to uh, pitch in with your thoughts on the film. I think again. I would really like to know, actually other people's thoughts on this film. Yeah, it's um, not often that we come across, it's not it's not often that we yeah. say our tastes are pretty com- our tastes mm. are pretty comparable a lot of the time. So it's not often that we come out on other ends of the spectrum like this.
0: Yeah, I just want I just want to hear from other people who who like it and I guess conversely other people who don't. Absolutely. Really. Um I just yeah, I just want to hear about I, I'd like for this to be the film that opens up a massive dialogue between between people that listen, but um, yeah, it, I just really want to know what, what hear what other people have to say about it
1: And there's loads of ways you can do that. If you want to get in touch and we'd love to hear from you. Oh, good segue. yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> for Facebook, I'm getting better at this. for Facebook and Instagram you can get us at strong language violent scenes. You can tweet us at strongviolentPC and you can also email us at strong language violent scenes at gmail.com. So if you want to get in touch five word reviews, comments, feedback of any kind. Please do uh, feel encouraged to do that. And um, so we'll be back, Minnesota, on Monday.
0: On Monday, yep. And that'll be on Stitcher and iTunes and, of course, Podbean. One thing I do want to say oh, so yeah. far about this this whole process so far as I'm, I'm really enjoying hearing from people who have hunted out the films that we've been talking about and they have uh d- maybe watched films that they they haven't seen before or that they wouldn't normally watch at all uh, that's that's a really kind of gratifying thing to hear so far yeah uh, and um... because of us two talking shit about films uh people are willing to take a dive into watching something that's maybe a little bit out of their comfort zone
1: yeah, I think that that's kind of uh, obviously like we like arguing about films, we're arguing with people about films. But I think that yeah, if, if if it is spurring people to go on to go and seek out these films and watch them, and kind of if it's if it's getting people to watch more stuff and join the discussion, then I yeah. think that's great.
0: And the amount of people who've messaged me about Demon from Friday the Thirteenth. No way! I uh, love it.
1: Yeah, a lot of people are uh, are loving Demon. I've had um, a couple of people message me saying that uh, they listen they listened to the first episode, the Friday the Thirteenth episode, without having seen the film. Mm-hmm. And off the back of it, they were like, "Yeah, I'm gonna seek it out," kind yeah. of thing. So I quite like the fact that not only did you sell it to me, um, you sold it to people who had no interest in the franchise. Yeah,
0: and, I, 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 and more of that, please, guys. And even if it means you have to watch detention, then uh, yeah, I would say, I would say check it out purely to know what the, again, what the hell they're talking about. There seems to be a real kind of pattern developing of weird. Do you know? Again, actually going back, detention
1: is also like Scott Pilgrim. I thought this actually because yeah. Billy made a what I think is a pretty fair comparison between Buckaroo Banzai yeah. and um Scott Pilgrim vs. the world. And uh yeah, I think that it does apply here as well. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of cues that are similar stylistically uh yeah but join in the discussion and there's no statute of limitations on talking about the films as well don't feel like because yeah. a week's gone by you can't talk about the friday the 13th episode or whatever i think
0: there's always time to talk about friday the 13th part five <laughs> and the discussion never ends on buckaroo banzai it doesn't no, no no there's always something there
1: i get the impression had he not had to shoot off i think that uh you me and billy could have sat and spoken about it for two more hours absolutely um but yeah no uh, we love hearing from people and uh, thank you to everybody's who been in touch with uh kind words so far people that have been spreading Mm -hmm. the word and a couple of people really have been doing
0: that yeah yeah there's a few people who have been really really pushing it and
1: yeah um, thank you yeah big thanks to those people thanks a lot for uh, taking the time and uh, showing the interest yeah because early on that's vital and speaking of that um, we are on the iTunes store now Mm -hmm. and if you're liking subscribing if you want to leave us a rate and review That'd Pop be on
0: those, those stars there, those, five, those cheeky wee five stars. Yeah, go on. And there might be more announcements coming soon for other uh, podcast providers. Yeah, they're in the works.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, stay tuned. Like I say, mini-sword mini- mini- upcoming on Monday. We'll have a guest announcement and a film announcement. Yes, indeed. Coming in. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, don't forget, it's not normal for people's semen to glow in the dark. Good night. It's not? <laughs> oh, okay.